0: Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Hello, and welcome to the Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air global network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Nicole Bart. Nicole is the author of 11 novels, including Everything We Didn't Say, an October 2021 Book of the Month Club selection, and Amazon Editor's Pick. And a long way back. Best known for her race to the finish family dramas, People says Bard is also the co-founder of a nonprofit and the mother of five. Ooh, she lives in Iowa with her family. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much, Danielle. It's so great to be here. So Nicole's also my sister's name. So I love that name. It's another really good French name. That's we were all given French okay. names that work
1: danielle is my sister's name that's crazy <laughs>
0: oh my gosh that is so yeah. crazy oh i love it danielle's and nicole i'll have to tell my sister um so yeah. anyway before we start, to, i have so many questions for you about your process and and your experience and all that wonderful stuff but first would you please tell our listeners about the long way back which i loved so much i blurbed um yeah. i got a chance to look at this early which was and it's so so fun so please tell us about the story
1: Thank you. Um, It's the story about a mother and daughter Instagrammer duo. Uh, They're influencers who travel the country in their vintage Airstream trailer and after two and a half years on the road they decide to settle down on the north shore of Lake Superior just north of Duluth a little ways and very quickly the daughter Ava goes missing. So the rest of the book is the two of them well Charlie trying to piece together what happened to her daughter and why and where she went and whether or not Their time on the road had anything to do with what happened to her. So it's a dual timeline and dual um, POV narrative told uh, from the perspective of both of these women. And it really is just a lot of fun. I, I think it's a really fun. Book. I I certainly had a fun time writing it. So I, I had a fun time reading mind. it, and so
0: I do. It. I mean, as a mother of a dot I have a son and a daughter. But as a mother of a daughter, I I really I felt like the I really resonated with the way the two women interacted. It's this that awkward moment where your child is kind of an adult, so you're trying to give her a little more freedom, and yet. still a child so you can't give them that much freedom and then and they're pushing for more and and it it may you know it's all so true and real so can you do you happen to remember the inspiration for the story can you tell us where the seed came from i do it was kind of a
1: perfect storm three things happened almost at once so 2020, the spring of 2020, everybody knows what happens then, the <laughs> COVID obviously, and we were stuck at home and I just started to become really aware of how um, interconnected we were online and our whole lives went online. Obviously, everybody knows that. And I was seeing myself and my family and my friends um, start to be influenced by by things that they probably would have never paid attention to before because they were too busy living their real lives out in the real world. So That was the first thing Uh, the second thing was my daughter turned 13 and in our family when you turn 13 years old you get a telephone for the first time Uh, it's pretty stripped down they get to call text I think we let them have one game and some music um, but that's it and for some reason even though she is my fourth child so we had gone through this with three kids before I panicked at the thought of giving my daughter a phone and I had to really dig deep in that and try to figure out why it was giving me so much anxiety and Came to the conclusion that we're shaped by our phones I mean obviously again this is something everybody knows but thinking about her with social media and worrying about how that would impact her and her self-esteem and the way that she viewed herself was really weighty for me so that was on my mind and then the third thing that happened is our family went to Duluth that summer we needed some time away it was just a short drive for us and we could um, we were still isolating and stuff at that point I think so we We're able to to just be out there and enjoy nature. And it kind of made me think of 10 years ago, because 10 years previous to that, we had taken a cross-country trip with our family in our pop-up tent trailer. And it, it was just this sweet time where we connected and were completely disconnected from the rest of the world as far as technology and media goes. And yeah, so kind of all three of those things together were happening at the same time. And they made perfect sense in my mind. The three of them were so interconnected. I couldn't, I couldn't pull them apart. And really those are the three things that, that created this book.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, it's if I know, cause you have, you know, your children are now older than they were 10 years ago, obviously. Yeah. Um, and there is a different, it's such a different, there's such a s- shift between when you travel with, you know, kids that are kind of under 10, right. Or even up to 12, I guess. Um, and then when you s- travel with, you know, teenagers and it's, it, you know, I look back and think that it was so hard when they were little, but it's, it's, I miss the, the sort of simplicity of those interactions and their willingness to, to do, yeah. you know, to be part of the family and do, you know, more of what, you know, you want to do to, and be together. And it is, it's a really um, it's, it is a different time. And, you know, so are your older three children boys?
1: Yes, we have four five kids, four of them are boys and just one daughter. So she's
0: kind of it is I think there's something to that too. Like, you know, my um I have a daughter and a son, and my son is hit the social media doesn't impact him the way it impacts my daughter. And you know, this goes of course to the bigger issue with, you know, women and what we're what's expected of us and what we're supposed to look like and um and all these sort of unrealistic and deeply harmful, you know, projections of, you know, people that that we're never going to be and live up to. And I, you know, that makes so much sense to me that that is, that it is harder. It's harder to, I mean, in some ways it's hard, it's, you know, it's harder to have a daughter in this world. It's, it's scarier. I
1: agree, and I, you know, all everything that you said is one hundred percent true. And then add into that the feeling that you constantly have to be documenting your own life. You, <laughs> you can't even be in the moment because you have to pause and and take a picture and pose it just right, and then make sure that you caption it just so, and hope for all these people to like it and comment and share it. And it's exhausting. These these poor kids. I, we. I
0: that when we were growing up right and, and no this is, thank okay. god I mean I, I, I <laughs> not only that but there's you know I know for my daughter especially in high school there's a sense of all these people are doing something and I'm not included and I can see yeah. it in real time happening and that is you know even if it's inadvertently that they're being they you know they're excluded it's it feels so hurtful you know it is it's really I mean it is. It is. It's an absolute catch twenty two. Technology can be incredibly wonderful, and it can be super, super, awfully isolating. So, um, yeah. So I can, and I can, I appreciate that that you, you know, wait till thirteen. I think a lot of parents don't do that. I got lucky enough that there was nothing even available to the kids until they were about thirteen. So I got kind of, uh, you know, I got kind of lucky. But you know, what, what do we do about this? They're they're completely ostracized if they don't have you know social media and yet giving it to them is damaging too right we we would never hand our kids
1: the keys to a car without them going through all of the training of how to use this thing and how it can impact you how it could potentially harm you or even kill you right. and yet we'll hands them a, a computer in their hands that can destroy them emotionally socially you know academically my husband is the um the chief of staff at a university and he sees everyday kids who who are so addicted to their phones that they don't have the time to do the homework that they're supposed to be doing and they're not showing up for their classes because they're playing games instead. And yeah, I, I think that I really do believe that there's gonna be a cultural shift at some point where mm-hmm. psychologists and and academics and people who are paying attention to this are gonna say, we really need to make some changes and be aware of what we're doing with social media. Yeah, and, yeah I, hope in so. general.
0: I hope so too. And I think in addition to that, the pandemic did you know, it made a whole nother layer of isolation because we were all alone. And so we sort of depended more on the connections you get through your phone, um, which I think we're... we're good in some ways and also again you know not good in in other other ways um so it's it's super tricky one of the we talked about this just for a smidge before we got um started recording but one of the wonderful themes of the book is about this you know that struggle this is a you know she's a single mom and and the, the struggle about you know of course wanting to empower her daughter to be independent and fierce and strong um but also sort of you know at what point is our child old enough to manage the world? How much do we have to sort of protect them still? And there's that, of course, push-pull, right? The kid wants more freedom. The mother's, you know, want, <laughs> wants less freedom. I mean, there's all of those things. And and I think, you know, your books are often, you know, they're referred to as, you know, thrillers around family drama. So what about that sort of, you know, what about those those things interest you? Obviously, you have a really big family. So, um,
1: yeah.
0: but... Why are you drawn to that, do you think? Oh, you know,
1: it's I always write about what I'm experiencing, whether I want to or not. Like if I'm in the middle of, of working something out in my own heart and mind, it tends to find its way into my books. And I've attempted to avoid that in the past and just decided that, you know what, this is where my passions lie, and this oh, is probably yeah. where I should be writing. So it it's been pretty pretty easy for me to know what's next, because it's, it's burning me up inside and has to come out on the page. So it, it, it's very relevant to, to my life
0: and i mean and you know that's a powerful thing because what you're going through obviously you're not going through it in a vacuum there's um there's you know thousands and thousands and thousands of women and and parents who are going through the same thing somewhere else and i you know, we talked about this a bit before we got on the uh we had a huge conversation before you guys joined us so i'm so sorry that we can't share you all the details of our nitty-gritty conversation nicole and i've never met in person so we had to you know chat for a bit first but um one of the things that you know that we did talk about was um you know the idea that that we you know we're working things out in our own minds and that there are there by sharing those struggles we're also i think it's i want to read a book where somebody else is struggling in the way that i'm struggling because it feels even if even if there's no clear or easy answer to these struggles which of course there a lot of them there is not it makes me feel like okay I'm not alone. This is what this is what is happening in our world. This is what's happening when you're raising kids. This is what you know. All of that stuff. It's you know. It it feels. It's reassuring, right? To write to read about people going through the same stuff.
1: Well, obviously, we write to entertain. Yes. But we- well, right. At, at least I write and that most of the authors that I've, I am friends with and have spoken to feel the same way, but we also write to start a conversation. Like this is dialogue between me and my ideas and you and how you interpret them and, and your book club and your family and the people who are yeah wrestling through who we are as, as people and, and as a country and as a community. And I I love being able to spark those conversations. So Right, and exactly, and that's
0: well put because this is—it it's it really is like you know—we can dig into it and talk about sort of the themes and the and the the universality of the of the situation that each of the characters is in. But at the same time, we're reading a very entertaining story, and you can read it start to finish and just be like, "Wow, that wasn't—that was a great story," and not think more about it. So it's—it gives the reader the option, right? Not that you don't. There's nothing like hammering. It. But it gives you the, it gives readers the option to think more about these things and to join the conversation about them. But it also, you know, I think also it just gives people an an insight into somebody else's life, which I think is also right, we all need a little bit more. I think the world could use more empathy. And by reading other people's stories, you know, we gain insight on things that we wouldn't otherwise understand.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, and I don't know about you, but I don't approach my books with an agenda. I don't really feel like I have a whole lot of things figured out in my life. I'm, I, I'm constantly working through my own issues and struggles, and and yeah, doing that on the pages is an invitation to all of my readers to do the same. Right. So well too.
0: Exactly, and we're all hopefully, if it all goes well, we're all always learning and growing, right?
1: Amen.
0: Um, (laughs) So there's also this idea in the book that I love. And again, I'm, you know, killer women is, is is, I use it as a platform to talk about things that I think are important to women that are not that we, you know, no dissing on men, but um, this show is really about the women and this book, of course, particularly is, is really about two women. Um, And one of the, you know, there's this idea that Charlie, the mom has about, you know, that her upbringing was really difficult, right? Her mother was absent. And and so there's a part of her that wants to make that up to her daughter. You know, I think I do, you know, I, I feel like this is very much true of my own experiences that whatever my mom did that I didn't appreciate, I, I try to do the opposite to, for my kids. <laughs> and then of course you create a, a whole different slew of, of issues, but it is, there is something to sort of parenting our children in the way that we wish we had been parented. So Do you think, you know, can we make up for the the sort of shortcomings in our own, you know, in our own upbringing or do we create new problems or what do you think?
1: That is a fantastic question. And I have come to the conclusion, (laughs) whether or not this is hundred percent true or not, as hard as we try, we're going to mess up our kids. Like that has been a really difficult lesson for me to learn because I, I gave up my career for a really long time. I was a teacher before I started writing, and even when I've been writing, I've been writing for 15 years now, and I've had children throughout all of that. And my kids have always come first. And in fact, the first few years when I was writing, it was almost a, a part-time job or a side hustle because my kids were—I was pregnant, adopting, nursing. You know, I was just busy with my children. Um, and I—I I feel like I gave so much of myself for them and yet now that they're older now that they're going to college and they're moving out of the house i'm realizing that as hard as i tried i still messed up and they still have hurts from from their childhood we're we're not perfect and we live in in incredibly broken world and we're all just doing our best but is it good enough is it ever good enough i I'm afraid that we might feel like it's not, um, but I hope that someday my kids turn around and say, "My mom loved us very much, and she did her very best."
0: Yeah, I, I have. I so mean, it. just knowing you for a few minutes, I believe that they will, and I do think there's also, you know, the thing that I feel like our generation has has done that I don't think earlier generations did was sort of this idea that if we just hold them a certain way and protect them this way then you know then they'll all be fine everything will be fine but it turns out like that isn't true right because the world is going to knock them around as well and so in some ways i feel like um you know probably there's they need to have some of those early pains and we if we provide them inadvertently you know that's just part of the process but i do think they don't have those experiences, how are they going to know what to do, how to deal with what happens when they are in college and something, you know, goes wrong or they are, you know, grown ups? because yeah. we can't, as much as we would love to put them in a bubble and keep them there forever, it, that isn't, um, you know, that isn't, um, really realistic.
1: Well, and that really ties back to social media for me, because I, I did raise my kids in a social media generation and I go online and look at Instagram. I look at Facebook and these people have perfect lives and perfect children who are perfectly dressed and eat delicious, nutritious meals and everything about them is like something out of a storybook. And I looked at that when my kids were younger and felt so inadequate and so bad at my job. Like here I am failing as a mother because I can't live up to these momfluencers, you know, who, who are doing it absolutely perfectly. And I, I hope that that the book is also j- just a way for for any moms who might be feeling the weight of I'm I'm a terrible mother I'm not doing it right or everything is so perfect online and my life isn't perfect right. I, I hope it's a way for them to realize no that's not true everything that you see online is is
0: oh smoke, smoke and smoke mirrors that. smoke and yeah. mirrors that's what I always say and you know people you know as an and you know as an author you you know you have a, a page and everybody I love it when my friends are like you weren't in that place yesterday and i'm like okay i know it was 2 months ago but i posted it today i mean it's right. just the way it goes right i mean and i know we're supposed to look perfect but actually i i would have i would encourage people to check out your your social media um because you i love when you post sort of the really hard candid stuff about life too because i think it's empowering for people to read and and and, and hear other people's stories and know it's not i mean it's not uh it's not all of course it's not all it's not as beautiful as it looks and that's why i kind of like scary mommy as a if you were yes. <laughs> i do know them because those are the ones that make me think okay i'm i'm doing as well as anybody it's gonna be okay um yeah. so tell me tell us a little bit about your process like you know your are books um has it changed over the course of i mean obviously a lot has changed i'm sure over the course yeah. of that but are you a plotter a pantser um how do you you know what how do you do it
1: well it has definitely changed from the beginning i was very much a pantser when i started writing but i was writing contemporary books um maybe with like a touch of i don't hesitate to say romance because my books are definitely not in that category but they they were softer contemporary books and i didn't really need to plot well now that i'm writing domestic suspense I need to plot. It takes a lot of time for me to be able to put it all together because writing a mystery is no kick walk. You know, yeah, you need red herrings and you need to have a twist and it needs to be believable, but not too predictable. And you have to have, you know, characters with mixed motivations and and that's incredibly complicated. So it takes me three years to write a book. Um, The first year is just the conceptualization of it. So yeah, in 2020 is when I came up with the idea for The Long Way Back thought about it, dreamt about it, uh, worked out my characters um, for roughly a year. And then I write for a year. Um, and then that last year is the publication process, which is long and complicated, as you know. So yes, lots right. of editing and they're putting the cover on and we're trying to get people excited about it. And yeah, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is, and you know, I mean, the people that are doing it more, you know, more regularly than that, it is a crazy process. And I do think that's probably the right gestation for a book is about, you know, is about three years, the idea that we, you know, we can do it in a year is it, it puts an inordinate amount of pressure on um, the writer. And it's not, I mean, I, I was not publishing a book a year when I had little kids. There's just no way. So um, I am an empty nester now, Nicole, and I will tell you that it, it's a really <laughs> weird shift, but things you have, you have a little more time. So you got, you, you're you not quite there yet, but yeah, it I'm
1: is. I'm kind of looking forward to it. If yes. you are got- Years ago, I would have said no way, but it sounds it sounds good.
0: I know it's so funny. I love my children dearly, but I I really do. I and I have four dogs, so that is its own you know uh, bag of pickles. But I do really appreciate the. I do appreciate it, and I think I'm glad that I also stepped back from a corporate career and from even from my writing, so that I could be there with them, um, and now that they're off, you know, you did, we did the best we could. And now I'm really enjoying the fact that like, there's no, I don't walk upstairs from my office and find like a million dishes in the sink (laughs) (laughs) to be like put in the dishwasher, which is right beside the sink. I'm like, I don't (laughs) understand this. So, so you're now you're uh, applauded. I like, you know, I like that, you know, idea very much. Do you have when you're in the process because it sounds, because it's so long, is there somebody that you sort of walk through and talk through Are you sort of doing this all inside your own brain?
1: Um, I I have some author friends that I bounce ideas off of when I'm not sure where I'm going. And my agent is incredibly editorial. I'm so grateful for her and her team. They have gotten down in the weeds with me um, with really all of my stories and helped me me really make them the best that they could possibly be. Um, But I... Although it takes me three years to write a book, I'm usually writing three books at the same time. So oh. I have one that I'm conceptualizing, one that I'm writing, and one that I'm publishing. Oh, okay. so
0: you're it's, still putting a, one out a year.
1: Um, It hasn't been quite one a year, but yeah, I've been writing for 15 years and I have 11 books, yeah. so a, around there roughly. Um, I'm better if I go just a little bit slower, I think. So yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens from here on out.
0: <laughs> I got it well well that's hugely impressive and I I understand what you mean because there there isn't this uh, and I have this a new idea that I'm starting to work on but there's some percolation time right it has to yeah. sort of you can't just like come up with the idea and start writing that doesn't work for me either so oh,
1: not at all um, know, mm-hmm. yeah um
0: well I think that's I think that's incredible that you can um keep you know those things in your mind so um you are also the founder of a nonprofit. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So
1: I we have five kids and they're from four different countries. <laughs> so we have a Canadian, an American, a Liberian, and an Ethiopian. Um, yeah, it's just the way that our family happened. We would have never planned planned that, but it, we wouldn't change it for the world. So when we were um, adopting our second son in Ethiopia, we met a gentleman there who was from Liberia. and just became really good friends uh that friendship continued and it ended up turning into a nonprofit organization that works in Liberia and now um Sierra Leone we're expanding into Sierra Leone so it it was never on our plan like we it was never on our minds to do something like this but it just yeah kind of kind of exploded on its own so we do spend quite a bit of time there um we've been back at least once a year often more than that my husband will be going this summer for several weeks and yeah, it, it's changed our lives. We, we that's love it. amazing.
0: So that's an orphanage, um, that helps place kids or what, or how does the organization work?
1: It started out as a children's home. Um, it, we now have three children's homes, 28 churches, a commercial farm. Um, oh man, schools. We thought we only had 19 schools, but we had a board meeting last night and apparently we have 24 schools. <laughs> so- oh my gosh our our desire is very much to empower the people of Liberia so we get out of the way as much as we can this isn't like no white savior complex over here like they know their country they know what they're doing so we get excited about whatever they are interested in we try to just throw gas on their fire so they are moving and we try to keep up
0: i love that that's incredible well that i mean it's in and, and what an incredible story because yeah you didn't you know it is funny life you know sends us in directions we had not expected and um I, I mean I what a gift to those kids that they you know that they found a home with with you and your family I mean that's that's fabulous so thank you for sharing that um I am so curious about how you balance your life when you're you know with five children I mean is it you must have drivers by now, but like, you know, is it a, are you a crock of the dawn? Are you writing late at night? They're all in school probably now.
1: They are. Yeah. And I thought that once they were all in school, it would be easier. In some ways it's been harder because there's so much, my kids are all athletic. They all play instruments or are involved in art in some way. And we're just busy running all the time. But I, I've discovered about myself that if I the busier, I keep myself, the better it is for me. If things start to slow down a little bit, I drop balls. But if I know that I have three hours to write today, and then we have a choir concert, and then we have this game tonight, and I have to get this board meeting or the minutes out for the board meeting or whatever, um, I'm okay. I can, I can schedule my time and I can get that done. So
0: wow. that, yeah, is, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I know a little bit about that kind of life and it is, is I'm I mean, it's really impressive. I think people don't, and and also this isn't just writing the books right i mean this is like you have to be on interviews you have to you know you do promotion so there's a lot more to being an author than just like you know sitting in your sweatpants and and writing the books which is challenging enough right yeah. <laughs> there's a lot so so tell i want to hear about the book of the month club because that was how i first discovered you i bought um everything we didn't say everything i didn't say i'm going to get this wrong um, everything. You can say. Yep, you got it. Um, um, I bought that, and I think I had a, we'd heard of each other maybe, but I didn't know you well. And I read that and loved it. And so, you know, what was that like? That must have been so fun. Oh my goodness, it was so
1: exciting. I yeah, nothing like that had ever happened for my books before. So I was actually at our local swimming pool uh, with my kids, and my oldest is in college, and his girlfriend has been a part of our family for several years now. And she was, she was with me. So I, I read the email and I started like jumping up and down. I think I might've been crying a little bit and yes. she's like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong. Are you okay?
0: <laughs> and you're so. like, it's the best. No, <laughs> that is that I can imagine. Like that is one of those just super, super exciting moments. And they did a beautiful job. I have it on my shelf and, um, and that's, and this is another beautiful cover. I love what they've done here. Um, I do too. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. Um, Okay. So can you give us a hint about what's coming next?
1: Yeah. So... I write in the Midwest. A lot of my books have taken place in the Midwest, um, but I also spent several years of my life in um, British Columbia, uh, Pacific Northwest, I guess, but just over the border on the Canadian side. And I'm going back there for my next book, so I'm super excited. Uh, my husband and I love to camp. When we were early um, in our marriage, we used to spend a lot of time going like bush camping, just driving off into the mountain and and finding a place to set up a tent. So <laughs> I'm I'm going back to that setting with. Um, a woman whose, whose husband has, has left her. So in a very scary situation. So yeah, I'm super excited about it.
0: I love that. That's so exciting. So now tell our our listeners, this book comes out. Remind me.
1: June 13.
0: Okay. So by the time you are listening to this, this book is available. You need to grab it right this minute and we will be doing a giveaway. I already have the giveaway copy, which is super exciting. So don't miss a chance to enter to win that. And in the meantime, Nicole, tell us where we can find you on all the places.
1: So I'm probably most active on Instagram and it's just Nicole Bart, exactly what my name is. But you can also find me on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, From time to time, I put up fun things on Pinterest. I don't know about you when you write, but I like to make boards (laughs) fun! and you share those. I love that. (laughs) I, I do share those. That's kind of fun. And sometimes I share Spotify playlists, too, because I always have to have a playlist when I write.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. I have, I'm like a silent person. In fact, I like so much silence that I will be in my silent house and I will put earplugs in. Is that so weird? Uh, <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. No, I, I I write like that too. I, I should clarify the playlist is for before I write. I got Again, it. Okay. It's the,
0: the, it's right the, pump, it's the yeah. pump, pump you up and get ready. And yeah. then <laughs> the last thing I'm going to say, which I thought was so funny, and I think was came up before we got on the, the call to, or the live is that Nicole's sister is named Danielle and Danielle's sister is named Nicole. So it's almost (laughs) like we're related. That's all I have to say. I love it. We're practically practically sisters. Well, (laughs) again, congratulations on The Long Way Back. It's a, a wonderful book. I was so thrilled to get a chance to look at it early and it's been so fun to chat with you. Thank you, Danielle. Same to you. We need to meet in person. Definitely. We need to get to a conference together. This has been Killer Women with uh, Nicole Bart discussing her upcoming book, The Long Way Back, which is fabulous. Go grab it. And we will see you next time. Bye.